Welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he's doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. Chapter 8, beginning at verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Verse 12. Otherwise, somebody say otherwise. When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase. How many people have been seeing, seeing increase in their life over the Now Faith series, over 21 days of prayer, and all you have is multiplied? Then your heart will become proud. Somebody say, uh-oh. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is what the Lord has done for us. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions and what he did was he bought you water out of hard rock he made a way out of no way he moved mountains and he gave you manna to eat which was a miracle that was a miracle bread from heaven in the wilderness something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you let us pray. Father God, we ask that you speak to us now. Use me as a vessel to say exactly what you want to say to these, your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me grab a seat. We serve a mountain-moving God. And I will tell you, as you're taking your seat, I have the, the distinct pleasure, first of all, just uh, can we give it up for our pastors, Pastor Stephen and Pastor Zia Chandler for what they're doing and stewarding this great move of God. And one of the benefits that I've seen um, has been just the miracles of God throughout the Now Faith series and the 21 days of prayer. And I know I'm not the only one, but I want to just give you a, a, a quick testimony. One of the things that I wrote down in my prayer booklet when I came to 21 days of prayer was that I believe, was believing God for a new home for my family. It was one of the things that I wrote there. And usually we write stuff in the booklet that we think are at that time impossible or a miracle. That's why we write them down. And in the booklet it says date, I'm going to say date requested or the date the prayer was made and the date that God answered it. And I, I remember writing it down and being like just thinking about my actual situation and being like, Lord, if you pull this off, you really, you are, you are a miracle working God. Well, I fast forward the movie for you. We got the house. The things that we write down in these books, they do come to pass. The things that you're writing on your prayer cards, and we walk around and we pray and we travail over these things, they do happen. And I believe that God is a, he is a miracle working God. But here's my dilemma. Somebody say dilemma. Here's my dilemma. What happens when the door you're knocking on finally opens? 
What happens when the thing that you've been praying for and crying over and laboring over finally opens up? When God finally says, okay, cool, here you go. How do we handle the blessing? Can we handle the blessing? I think some of us, including myself, are so used to the struggle or the aspect of struggle that we don't plan for the success. We're so comfortable with the laboring. We've grown almost comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I'm going to tell you that there's a cycle that we fall into, and I want to help us break that cycle today of, of repeating the same process over and over again. And this has been happening in the Bible days since the days of the children of Israel all the way up until now. And I'm going to describe that cycle to you in three parts of what happens when the blessings of God manifest and how we typically react to them. The first thing that happens when the, the blessings of God manifest is, to be honest, we get a little bit paranoid. God delivers you from that very thing that you wanted to be delivered from, and now you're in the clear, but now you're so paranoid because you're free for the first time that you're almost waiting for the ax to drop on your head. You can't believe that he actually gave you the job, and now you're scared that they're going to find out that you really don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you finally got the relationship that you prayed for, but now you're low-key scared that your past is going to catch up with you and that you're going to be found out. Or uh, you got the house that you, that you prayed for, and you're sitting in this new house as, as I am now, and I'm sitting in the house, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, can I really afford this thing? Especially when that BG&E bill comes in. And just, you say, look, I've seen you move mountains. I need you to move this. I need you to move this out of my way. And these things come, and they make us paranoid. That's the first part of the cycle. Somebody say paranoid. The second thing is, after a while, you realize, okay, I got enough money to pay this bill. Okay, I've been free for a little bit, and I, and I haven't been slipping in the area that used to be a struggle for me. And what happens to us, y'all? We get a little prideful. So the second step after the paranoia, when we realize that we're not going to die, is pride starts to set in. And we say this in our hearts and sometimes even out loud. I got this. I got it. And no, God, I really don't need your help. And it's not almost, it's, it's sometimes it's subliminal, it's subconscious, but we almost leave God completely out of it once we feel like we got it. I envision almost like a person that goes bowling and they used to use the bumpers and then they put the bumpers down. And you, you know, and next thing you know, you roll in gutter balls. And God was like, I was your guardrail. I was the one that was there. And then we get rid of him and now we're in the gutter because after pride, then comes what? The pit. The Bible teaches us that after pride comes destruction. And so what happens is we repeat this cycle over and over. Some people are stuck in this cycle in the area of relationships. Some people are stuck in this cycle in the area of career. Some of you uh, and some of us, we struggle this in the area of weight loss. I'm just being real today. Is that all right? Some of us struggle in areas of sexual immorality and, and just falling into things like that over and over. And we see this cycle and we're just wondering, will we ever get free? And I really want to help you today because what happens is the frustrating part of this is that some of your areas, some of the areas of your life are lit and popping and things are wonderful and great and it's amazing. But you got this one thing that's throwing your entire life's alignment out of whack. And your prayer is like, Lord, if I could just get this one area together, I'll be good. Well, I want to help you get it together today with three uh, simple thoughts and I want to point those things out to you. So point number one. If you can make this and you can write this down, is never forget God. Never 
forget God. And you can put a little hyphen on that and say, never forget God is with me or with you. Never forget God is with us. He's, he's always with us. But this, we're going to attack each area of the, each cycle through each point that I'm going to make today. So what happened with Moses in the beginning of this text is that Moses is at the end of his life and he's talking to the children of Israel about just like, don't forget what God has really bought you through. He brought you through the wilderness. And, and I'm going to tell you, growing up, I never understood why Moses didn't get a chance to go into the promised land. It always messed with me because he was the one that really helped get the children of Israel through the wilderness. And I always, I think, just wanted him to be the hero of the story. And it ended up being Joshua that walked into the promised land and Moses doesn't get, he saw it, but he didn't walk into it. How many people know that? He didn't, the Bible cites him as one of the most humblest men in the Bible. But he forgot God. And I'm going to tell you how easy it was for him to do it. And you'll see how we can also forget God too. Moses would go up and talk to God and God would reveal things to Moses. And Moses would come down and they were having a freak nick down in the, the valley in the wilderness. I'm dating myself. And they come down. He looked down and said, Lord, they're having a circus. They're dancing naked. They're singing songs. They're building golden camels and calves and stuff like that. And he's like, what is going on here? And it frustrated him. And can you imagine, he was so connected with God and God was speaking to him and revealing things to him that he started to feel like, like God. And he took the rod that was anointed because they were, not only were they, they were down there partying, but then they were also crying when they got hungry. And God would rain down fresh manna for them, but they were crying, they wanted something to drink. And Moses took the staff and struck the rock and he said, must we, underline the word we, provide water for you to drink, taking some of God's credit. In the process of taking God's credit, God was like, you can't be an ambassador because you're not going to give me honor. You're not going to give me glory. I can't take you to a new land and, and risk you acting like it was you that delivered these people. So you can't walk into the promised land. Now check this out. For my type A people, I'm a little bit of a type A um, we like we, paranoia sometimes can bring you to a place where you like to be in control because you're afraid that if somebody else has control, they'll mess it up. Amen. And I believe that's what happened with Moses. I think Moses was just like, yo, like, let me just do something out of, and he didn't realize the, the, the ramifications of that. And he became paranoid and as a result of that. But Moses was very humble. But sometimes we get distracted. And I want to encourage you that the, the opportunity that God has blessed you with, the miracle, the manna that he's blessed you with, he is with you and he's the one that is, is going to finish the work that he sent you into. So that very thing he sent you into, he wants you to take him along on the journey. And he wants his credit. He wants his credit. Uh, I want to show you this in the Bible. I want to back this up. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm coming from the New King James Version. Being confident. Somebody shout at me, say confident. confident. Of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's God that's begun the work. He's begun it and he's going to finish it. So if he's brought you into this new territory, this new relationship, this new job, this new house, this new vehicle, or this new character, this new way of life, this new way that you're walking, he is the one that's going to be the conductor of it and he's going to finish what he started. What we do, we get into the new territory and feel like we have to be the ones that do it. And we exclude God and that's how we end up becoming prideful. That's how we fall. So I'm just speaking to this. So this is how we stay in tune with God so that we don't fall into this trap. One thing I'll give you is to remain grateful, to remain in a posture of gratitude. 
as you get the new territory or the new relationship, and I'm going to keep emphasizing that, or the new body, you've lost a lot of weight and you, 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 you're, you're coming to that new foundling, stay connected to the Father. Thank him and, and be in a position of just saying thank you, God, every day for that new thing. And don't let your thanks grow old. In everything, we should give thanks. Stay prayerful. Continue praying. Don't just stop at day 21. Do a day 22. The Bible teaches us that we should pray without ceasing. We should continually be in a state of prayer. So I'm going to give you very pragmatic steps as I like to do. When I get out of the bed in the morning in this new house I'm in, before I get overwhelmed by the bills or by this new territory that God has given me, I get on my knees and I thank God. Now, some days we slip. Some days we don't forget. Uh, we, we, we do forget, rather. And so what I do, if I, if I realize that I've forgotten, the moment I realize I've forgotten and I'm outside of my regiment, I'll stop everything I'm doing and I pray right then. It's not too late. So I miss my morning prayer. I guess I'll catch it tomorrow. No, catch it in the car. Because you know once the day starts, it's a wrap. So I, I stop right where what I'm doing. Another thing, get, continue to give God the first fruits of your increase. So when you get paid or when you get that blessing, be like, God, here's your share. And he will rebuke the very devourer for your sake. And sometimes that devouring is in the mind. Okay? So these are pragmatic steps to help us. Point number two. We're moving through this, y'all. Never stop telling your real story. Never stop telling. Turn to somebody near, near you and tell them, say, your real story. Look at them with a kind of like your real. <laughs> Come on. The E True Hollywood. No, no, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm dating myself again, y'all. Pray for me. Tell them the real story. Tell them the real story. I'll tell you a real story right now. I'll just share one of my own, put myself out there. I remember, but this deal, this is relevant to taking God's credit. Literally, when I was 17 years old, I grew up in church. At 17 years old, I was invited to be a part of a, uh, it was a woman's conference. Uh, and I was invited to be a musician um, there for the conference and God has blessed me with had, at that time I was blessed with several musical gifts and I wanted to show off <laughs> and I knew that I wanted to show off and rather than to serve in one lane or one specific capacity throughout the service I scheduled myself to do multiple things to show off the various gifts and talents that I had now simply my role could have been, just been that day to be the choir director which was cool and I could have just been fine doing that but that wasn't enough for me oh no that wasn't enough I, I had to show them that I could sing a little bit I had to show them that I could play a little bit of piano all in one service such a great idea it was such a great idea my heart was well I guess I can't even say my heart was right I got in front of the choir and I'm doing my thing and God is blessing and he's moving and I could feel, I was just like, oh my goodness. And I could feel the looks of impression. People were like, oh, they were so impressed. They were like, he's talented and he's gifted. Oh, and, I, and it was, God was totally nothing to do with God at all. This is all about me in hindsight. I'm up there doing my thing and I'm like, oh, wait till they, they think this is good. <laughs> they haven't seen nothing yet. I grab the microphone, I turn around, I sing my song. Now he can sing too? Wow. People at the edge of their seats. What's he going to do next? <laughs> Obviously, no one was thinking this. They were probably a little confused of why I was being such a busybody. After the song was over, I go over to the keyboard and, and scoop the guy off the keyboard. He's very confused. Excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Hey, you know. I go down. I'm getting ready to play the piano. I look down at the piano, and I didn't recognize it. 
Some of you are like, what do you mean you didn't recognize it? I've been playing the piano at that point about five to seven years, and I looked down and it was like I was reading a language that I had never learned. It's complete silence in the church because the song starts with a piano intro. <laughs> Hands start trembling, palpitations, <laughs> lip quivering. And of course I had to play it off and act like the keyboard was broken. So what's wrong with this thing? Just... Thank God for the ram in the bush, y'all. There was somebody in the audience that I knew, a friend of mine who I knew could play, and off the microphone, because the microphone is connected to the keyboard, like the same kind of setup right there, and off the mic in front of the whole church. Hey man, can you all? And it was real confusing. And my, my friend comes up and he's like, you know, this is in front of the whole church, just like this. And he comes up and I'm like, can you, uh... and of course, by this point, this is a traditional church. And they're like, amen. <laughs> he's good. I said, oh, no, he's not. He's not good right now. This is not good. This is not good. He comes and he plays the song and I go and direct the choir. Now, mind you, I'm creating this mass confusion. And I'm in front of the choir and I'm directing the choir and tears are welling up in my eyes because I'm like, God legit just took my gift. <laughs> like, here. Give it, give it to me because you're getting a little too carried away. And I'm directing the choir and I'm just like, not even thinking about the song they singing. I'm just doing this. The song is over, and I couldn't wait to get back to the keyboard to see if this gift was gone forever. <laughs> I go, and I place my hand on the keys, and the chords come back to my remembrance. Everything falls back into place, and immediately God says, never forget who gave you this. <laughs> never forget. And I think we need to hear that. We need to remember that. This is, this is how we fight pride, and this is, again, under point number two of never, never stop telling your real story. Never, some of us are out here, and we're, we're taking credit from God. And we're sprinkling potpourri and cologne and perfume on our wilderness experience. And so God sent me to tell you this. Don't edit God's credit. Don't edit God's credit. Some of us are deleting God's scenes out of our movie. And we're only showcasing the good parts. We only want to show people the good parts, and we don't want to keep it real. And Moses reminded them, if we can show everybody Deuteronomy chapter 8 at verse 15, it says this. We just read it, but I want to really zero in on this. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness. Wave your hand if you remember the wilderness season. Some of us are still in wilderness seasons now. So you can't wave your hand because you're like, I'm in it. But we remember. And the thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. And he bought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end, it might go well with you. In other words, in the end, you won't forget where you came from. You'll go back and tell that part of the story because, and some of us don't know what the pain we're in now, why, the, the reason for it. It's so that when we go out, we have that mark as ambassadors, like, look, this is what God can do. This is what he's capable of doing. Don't take God's credit. I'll give you another quick story that hopefully this story will help you. Um, 
when I was six years old, six or seven years old, uh, I was in kindergarten, so I must have been like five or six, there was a kid in my class who was like an artistic servant. I mean, he could just draw anything that he saw, whether it was in his mind, if it was on TV, if it was in a book, he could just draw it. And the teachers were ooh and ah over him, and, and it was my introduction to jealousy. <laughs> oh, we all know that one, that one kid with the good lunch. <laughs> and you're just looking at him like, how you get McDonald's to lunch? <laughs> and I'm over here peeling crust off my bread, my little bologna and cheese sandwich. And you eating french fries. Well, he was the kid that um, could really draw, and I wanted the same attention that he was getting. The teachers loved his work. They just loved it. And they posted it all over the classroom. And he could draw those transformers so well. And I was just like, oh, okay. I, I want that same recognition. So I took one of the pictures. They won't notice. And I put a white piece of paper over top of it, and I traced that thing to the glory of God. Oh, we do it all for the glory. It's all to his glory. I, and I, I, yeah, I traced it. Um, now looking back, it probably still looked a mess. <laughs> but I went and run into the teachers with my little piece of paper with my half a transformer traced. I said, Miss Wendy, look what I drew. And my teachers were savvy. They said, oh, he's so gifted. He's so talented, oh my goodness, yes, yes, yes. Draw us another one. I said, I'll be right back. They said, no, 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 draw it right here. And I just gave myself up, I just cried right on sight. It wasn't, I was I hate Daryl, that was his name. I said, got him. Don't take God's credit, y'all. Give credit and give honor where honor is due. And it's better to boast in your infirmities, isn't it? That's what the Bible teaches. It's better to do that. Let's look at, let's look at the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure... Somebody shout pleasure. Now this is what he's taking pleasure in, y'all. In my infirmities, in reproaches, like when he's wrong, in needs, in persecutions, come on, in distresses, for Christ's sake. Now this is the line right here. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's a hard one to swallow. That's why I had to slow it down for you. For when I am weak, then I'm, it's better to brag on that. Now, check it out. There's so many things about us that we can brag about. Paul was a G. He was a legit Pharisee, like a chief Pharisee, meaning that by the age of 13, he had memorized the five books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Some of us don't know our phone numbers. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. It's a real thing. It's, a, it's actually a real thing. He memorized all five books of the first five books of the Bible. I mean, he could have bragged on that. So many things he could have bragged on, but he said it's, he finds pleasure in bragging in the, in the, infirm, in the infirmities that, that he had. So this is, this is another pragmatic thing. Just, just, just remember to, it's better to talk about the real deal and, and, and the real story and where God actually showed up in your life than making everything look so cool and you know, and we live in a world where everything, like, you know, you look at Instagram, Insta stories, and things like that, and we always have to broadcast the best of ourselves, and we're robbing people of the miracle-working God that we serve. 
And I'm not telling you to log out of your Instagram account. I'm just telling when you talk to people for real and you interact with them, include the part where God showed up and saved the day. Include that part. And then not, not, just tell, not just tell your friends and your peers, but parents in here, we got to keep it real with our kids. We got to tell the story. And we don't have to tell every dirty detail, but the ones that are relative, that's going to help them through the tough times. Look at Joel and what he says in Joel chapter 1. This is a shout out to the parents, specifically elders. If, even if you have uh, mentees, people that look up to you. Joel chapter 1 verse 2. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. And I'm going to paraphrase this. Has a miracle like this ever happened to you before? Or has it happened to your ancestors? In other words, God's saying, um, has anything like the miracle I'm providing for you happened for any, anyone else? This is a customized miracle that I did for you, and this is what you should do. Verse 3, tell it to your children. And then what? And let your children tell it to theirs. And their children to the next generation. We have a responsibility. So I have a son that's 15 years old, and I keep it real with him. He's at that age where, you know, they want the piercings, the tattoos. They want their hair dyed a different color. They want to, they want to, they just, listen, all these things, and they want to go hang out, and they want to have the same stuff that I wanted to do when I was his age. And I have to keep it real with him. I have to tell him that part. I can tell him the glamorous part of, of where, of, and just show him this part, like me on a platform and ministering the word of God. But then how does that help him for where he's at at 15 when he goes to school? So I have to sit down and I have to keep it 100 with him. Hey, a lot of times when he comes to me, he's like, come on, dad. Like when he wanted certain things, he's like, dad, I know you used to want to go to parties too. Imagine if I was like, party? What are you talking about? A party? <laughs> Jesus party. <laughs> Jesus night. At 15? What? No, I have to keep it real with him. And here's what God does. When we keep it real with others about what God is doing, God will show up more. He will create customized opportunities for you and your child or you and your coworker for you both to witness God miracles. But when you keep stunting like it's you that's doing everything, the miracles will dry up. I'm not giving you no more miracles because you keep acting like it's you. You won't tell anybody that this, this, this furniture was donated. You won't tell anybody that you really got those clothes from a thrift store. You'll say, I got this from New York. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, no, you've never been to New York. You've never been. You haven't been yet. You haven't been yet. <laughs> Keep it real. Keep it real. Keep it real. Point number three. Never stop managing the manifestation. Never stop managing the manifestation. And here's what I want to tell you, and I'll, and I'll, I'll preface it with this text. Let's look at Joshua 5, verse 11. And I, I, I love Joshua. Joshua is the successor of Moses, and he's the one who, who leads the children of Israel into the land of promise. And I want to zero in on this specific scripture to, to explain something to you. Joshua 5, verse 11. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. Here's the line that I want you to get. The manna stopped. Wow. Let that marinate. The manna represented the miracle of God providing for them in the wilderness. And the manna stopped. And I want to highlight and underscore this for a moment. Could it be 
that God doesn't want us only living off of a survivor's miracle and a survivor's miracle mindset where every day it's like, feed me, Lord, provide for me, Lord, please, God, open this door for me, Lord. This every day I need a miracle spoiled mindset that we have. If I need a miracle every single day, I'm begging, I'm pleading. God does not desire for us to live off of a survivor's miracle, but a sustained miracle. The sustained miracle. The sustained miracle is this. Everybody take a deep breath in. Breathe it out. That's a miracle. You see how we barely want to clap for that? That's my proof. You hear this little popcorn clap? Like when the last couple of pops of a popcorn bag, like, like it's the popcorn's done. We're not, we take for granted that. Like, okay, breathing. <laughs> That's a major deal. At any point in time, the breath can be. What are you doing with the miracle God's already given you? What are you doing with the job that you currently have? What are you doing with the marriage that you're currently in? What are you doing with the siblings that God has, has blessed you with? And we have the nerve to ask for more. There's a scene in Oliver Twist where the guy's like, more? You ask for more? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm too, sometimes I can be very creative. I'm a creative person. Y'all don't know what Oliver Twist. But what I'm saying is, there's, there's a moment where we just like, Lord, I want, I want more. Forget what I had. Remember Christmas, like the, that first two weeks when your toys are hot? The first two weeks. Now it's like the first day. And then after a while, them, them toys been broken up. You finding pieces of the toys all over the house behind the refrigerator. That's how we're treating the sustained miracle. And we're asking God for more. And so I'm challenging you right now that God won't give us the more because we're not properly managing the manifestation. We're not properly stewarding what he's already given us. And so I want to end on a positive note. I want to really encourage you because that whole thing has to do with the pit. See, we've gotten prideful and we think we're ready for more, but we're not doing good with what we already have. And we don't know that we're on our way to repeating the same cycle again. And that's why we end up begging. And that's why what God wants to do for you in 11 days takes 40 years. He wants to do it for you sooner. He really does. Those things that you've written in your prayer book, he wants to do them for you now. I can prove it to you. Joshua chapter 1, verse 11. Joshua chapter 1, verse 11. I'll prove it to you right here. Because this is what he would have me to say to you now. How many know that the word of God is inexhaustible? It applies to us now. Somebody say now. Okay. Go through the camp and tell the people. I'm telling you what, I'm going to say to you the same thing Joshua was um, supposed to say to the people, and I'm going to say it to you now. Get your provisions ready. Wow. What does that mean? The very thing, and I'll, I'll read the next line. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan. Let me stop there. In a few days, in a few weeks, in a few months, it's really contingent upon you and your faith. You will go in and take possession of the land your God is giving for you to own. Everybody get the hand that you write with 
and just stretch it out. And I want you to envision that thing that you've been praying about. Get it in your mind. Don't just fake it now. Don't just have your hand out for no reason. Take a moment. Some of us are a little, take it a little, little long to get there. Take a little long to get there. And pull it in. What is that thing? And just be, as you pull it in, just receive it. Take possession of it by faith. For some of us, it's not material things. For some of us, it's just peace. Take another thing in. There's other things that we've been praying for. What else is it? This is everything that you've written down and you're taking possession. I'm looking around the room. You'd be surprised. Some people won't even put their hands out. They're just looking at me because they got everything. And guess what? They're in the pride cycle. Hand out. Pull in what you need from God. And in a few days, you're going to take possession of it. Let's go back to that scripture again. Go back to that scripture one more time for us. If we can go back. You're going to take possession of the land. And, you, and listen, get your provisions ready. And so this is what it means. Could it be that the things that God wants to bless you with, he can't because you haven't made space for it in your life? Has somebody, it's like somebody trying to give you Let's just use the stay in the house analogy, a piece of furniture that goes in a certain place in your house, but you haven't cleared out what's already there. So as nice as that piece of furniture is, there's no space for it. And as nice as that thing you just pulled in is, there's no space for it. You haven't gotten your provisions ready. That job that you want, you're not studying for it. You just want it. My son wants a, wants a car. He wants to drive. But he's not reading his permit manual. So you just want to drive. But you won't be. <laughs> I hope he's watching. No, 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 no. But no, what I'm saying is that until I see you, think about it as parents, and you understand that. As parents, I can't give you what I know is going to destroy you. And as great as a thing it would be for you to have, I can't grant it to you because I know that it would be the end of you and that your pride would come before destruction. Yeah. So I remember driving in the car with my mom when she was teaching me how to drive. And she'd sit over there, so annoying. And the pastor would say, you're too close to the car, you're going to hit something. And I'm like, mom, mom, I got this. I'm not riding with you no more. But she was right as I failed my first driver's test. She was absolutely right. The lady wouldn't even let me go through the whole test. Park the car here. I said, what I do, what I do, what I do? I can do it again. Get me out of here. I said, are you supposed to even say that? And it was because we thought we had it. Pride comes before destruction. So where, where, what stage are we? Where are you at? Are you at the paranoid stage? God has blessed you and you think you got to manage it all by yourself and so you're scared that it's going to be taken from you because you're not even thinking about God? Or are you at the prideful stage where God has done it for you but now you're stunting and acting like it's you? And you're walking around like, God ain't really had nothing to do. I'm self-made. I did this. I got this job. I started this business. Beware of that, that vernacular of I did this. If it wasn't for me, beware of that language. That's a clear indication that you're on your way. Or are you at rock bottom starting all over again? These are the things that I want to challenge us all with as we move out of the cycle. And I want you to prophesy this over yourself. Say, I'm coming out of this cycle. Come on, say it one more time. Say, I'm coming out of this cycle. And now, now get somebody accountable. Tell, turn to somebody near you say, I'm getting out of this cycle. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for what you've taught us today. Thank you for teaching us a way out.
Thank you for always providing a way of escape. Now, I want all of us over this church to just repeat after me and say this. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Take a few moments and just reflect on what the Holy Spirit is speaking into your heart. Is he revealing to us in this moment that we're paranoid? That he won't sustain us in this newfound land, in the promised land? Are we scared that we're in the promised land, but I'm scared? There are grasshoppers over there. There are giants over there. And I'm, I'm scared, Lord, that, it, that, yeah, you brought me here, but am I going to be able to maintain this? Are you, are you prideful? You're telling yourself and you're telling everybody else, I got this. Or are you in the pit? If you're at any of these three stages, I can tell you now that Jesus is the answer. That he can solve the equation because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He can get you out of the cycle. If that's you today and you want to pray this prayer of salvation, or you've prayed the prayer of salvation, but you know, just like the prodigal son, he took what was his, he took his inheritance, and then he left God. He left the Father, and you want to return, and you want to get back to your rightful place where you can be in alignment again. I need you to pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus. And we can all pray this prayer together for those who are praying it for the first time. Jesus, come into my heart and help me break the cycle. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. We all shout amen. Come on, give God a big clap of praise. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.